0: Welcome to The Midpoint, conversations with the extraordinary people building the American innovation economy from the inside out. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works. Welcome to The Midpoint. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works. Um, today I'm joined by Josh Sanchez, co-founder and CEO of Float Me. I'm really excited about this conversation, particularly since I've, I've known you for a while. Yes, and I've I've known you since I found out about your company and what you're doing. When there was very low uh, noise signal to noise ratio, and um, when we first met, we first started talking. You had a lot more customers in your wait list than you did actually live, yeah. and uh, you were really figuring a lot of stuff. But I saw just so much, like not um, potential is understating it. Just so much opportunity, but also just with your passion and vision. So maybe we'll just kick off with uh, with the conversation. With maybe you can just give us a, an update on, you know, what is FloatMe and kind of where you are in the business right now.
1: FloatMe has uh, transpired uh, to become one of the leading, um, you know, subscription platforms for uh, improving your your finances. And really, FloatMe was started out of my personal self experience of the problem that was just. Um, taking out a uh, you know predatory loan and you know having a, a series of overdraft fees afterwards and just becoming obsessed with um, a much better alternative um, to to both and that was really just being able to access um, some of the money that you've earned but haven't been paid yet and um, you know we originally actually started out as a B two B company and I learned a lot of things and. Uh, realize we're building a much better consumer business, but fast forward to today and where we're trying to go is um, today. You know, we've helped our our member base save over two hundred million dollars in overdraft fees. Um, you know, with uh, our core box alone, and today that's the um, the advances of up to fifty dollars. That's what we offer. Our members call them floats. Um, you know, we offer PFM tools to help you better understand your money, how it's being spent, alert you when you're at risk for overdraft. And uh, most excitingly, uh, we're now working on a product to help people build credit. So um, really what FloatMe is trying to become is the, the new for money. You know, how can we provide people with the, the right products at the right time uh, when they make sense uh, for our
0: members? Can you, so there's this, this, this like initial insight that comes in the name, FloatMe, the float. Can you talk a little bit about like what that means and how that kind of led you to starting the company?
1: yeah um so you know going through the initial research and iterations uh the name was really inspired by um well two things one um the cash float that happens uh between employees and employers um in between you know pay cycles effectively employees are um not I make mean, i guess lending money to to employers uh that's um not gonna get processed until payday right and then the other side was really, um around trying to build a household name i became obsessed with how um you know people now share can you just venmo me or can you just cash at me and i, I think uh that kind of inspired the name for flow me um one let's just float people the money between their paychecks and let's just call it flow me so that's kind of how we we came about that story
0: it's so clever right and it's also like what a lot of people need like they're going to the pay- payday lender because they just need a float like they just need 50 bucks yeah, yeah. I just need a little something to get to the next paycheck. And you kind of saw that problem and then created a much better solution that was both a good financial business, but also much better for the clients or for your for your, you call them clients or customers.
1: We call them members. Uh, members, so, uh yeah. Members. So the, the 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 other big realization there, uh Patrick, I think is something that we should lend insight to is um when we started, we were actually doing you know two hundred dollars and it was. Um, really eye-opening for us to uncover that people didn't really need a $200. And to get to the core of what we're trying to solve was really to prevent from the situation even happening in the first place. So one of the, the big th- decisions there was to reduce that cap um, you know, from $200 to $50, which is much close much closer aligned with uh, what people far, fall short on um, you know, before payday or the average transaction that causes an overdraft. Um, so that's a, another big realization for us, in, in, in the the dollar amount.
0: And so the way this works is you're a member, so you pay a small monthly membership, Correct. and then for each float you pay like a fixed amount, like it's almost like an ATM fee of some sort.
1: Correct. So to be clear, um, we we have a holistic uh, platform which members you know pay today it's a dollar ninety nine uh, per month for to access our, our suite of offerings. Um, in turn, they can get these uh, floats in between paycheck of up to $50 for free. Um, Now, however, if somebody does want that money instantly, uh, we do charge like an ATM fee to get that money expedited instantly. So um, the free option, it'll usually arrive within one business day. Um, But what we've seen is, um, you know, there's almost imminent need for the the money instantly. Uh, It does uh, unfortunately cost a a little bit more to expedite the delivery of funds for customers there.
0: And so I don't know about how much you can share in terms of the current scale of the business. You did recently or in the last year raise a pretty sizable round. Could you share anything in terms of the size and scope of the business and a little bit about the last financing?
1: Yeah, what I can share is uh, we're well into millions of members uh, today. Um, In addition, uh, we've uh, raised about 20 on the equity side. So uh, 16 of that came through our Series A in uh, December of 2021, which was led by Foundry Group. Uh, Phenomenal uh, tier one uh, investor Um, in terms of um, headcount, I mean, we're a team of about 70 uh, today, so that's uh, where we're at. Um, But yeah, that's what I can uh, share in the business. The last thing, I mean, every month continues to be our our best month and uh, really excited about our our
0: next uh, set of product offerings for our members. I do recall that when we first started talking, you had less than a thousand members. So uh, yeah. that's a, that is a really nice trajectory. So I appreciate that. You know, so you start. You were in San Antonio when you started, right. and your co-founder in Cleveland. Yes, yes. So originally, we we
1: met in uh, San Antonio, uh, but he now resides and is from Cleveland.
0: So starting a company in San Antonio—that um, is what we say in the business—non-obvious. Yeah. Right. So, can you uh, can you talk about like why you started there? What, what were the pros and cons of of starting a business in San Antonio?
1: I think the biggest reason why you know Fleming was uh, you know started here was uh, one uh, being in, in in the location, um, learning from the community, uh, observing some of the challenges in the community. I mean, most people don't realize, at least in the city of San Antonio, um, it's one of the most economically disparate cities in the nation with regards to zip codes. Um, more importantly um we have you know one of the, the lower average credit scores in the nation so I think it was important uh to start a business that was focused on um you know creating uh you know, equality uh, within the uh, the the financial world um but two it was an opportunity to, to create a, a business where it could shine in my perspective um mm-hmm. you know I'd rather be the, uh the the star amongst a a couple in in a city as opposed to um you know the star in a a city where there's going to be several hundreds if not thousands of of startups in the area so i think it served purpose for us to start here from a mission perspective the the issues that were uh, residing in the city but two to help us stand out and and gain recognition and you know be in a position to also attract uh, some of the talent within the area
0: now, one of the challenges of being in a place, but really a lot of places are like this, but San Antonio specifically is like having access to a network is was right. So that's one of the things that's a real big challenge. Was there somebody in in your kind of starting up with the company or early? Is there a person or an organization that you had access to that kind of unleashed the opportunity?
1: Yes, uh, several of which. So um, you know, one on the. By the the ecosystem player is uh, it's a, a, a what's well, an incubator for for startups and it's called uh, Geekdom. So it's um, you know they they tout themselves as a place where where startups are born and it was uh, formalized uh, by um, you know former uh, Rockspace executive at the time and um, you know a few other individuals. But really, it was designed to help incubate and foster and grow you know startups from within the ecosystem. So that, that's one player that has uh, contributed significantly to, to our success. Um, the other is uh, former operators uh, themselves, you know, having uh, sold uh, tech companies in the past and um, relying on on their network and, and, you know, working with them through their network uh, to go about building our business. So um, there's uh, several people I could uh, name there, but uh, yeah, it, it's m- focusing on those that have done it in the past and, you know, trying to build a relationship with them.
0: So there was some local community that uh, the incubator kind of provided. Right. And then through, how did you meet the operators? Did, how did you personally make that connection to kind of build out your trust network, to get access to people who have kind of been entrepreneurs before? Where, where, how did you go about finding them or getting connected? The biggest thing that I share with people, um, and I think it actually makes for a good skill set
1: for, from a founder perspective is learn how to sell. Um, a lot of my background has been in, in business development and partnerships and you can't discredit um, you know, crafting a or a well-crafted cold email. Um, so I think it's it's part of that, um, understanding um who these individuals are connected to and working through that that chain um to then have that you know initial conversation. So I, I think it was more of just you know trying to sell people on what we were building and you know, from a founder perspective, it's about building that accountability. So it's um you know, those people that you do want to be involved, keeping them informed of how the business is pro- progressing month over month on that one North Star objective or North Star uh, metric that you're you're looking to, to grow. Um, so it was a lot of that um, from, from my end.
0: Yeah, that is a skill that I think is really underappreciated, particularly in tech circles, mm-hmm. just the, the value of being able to sell. It it is actually a deep insight. I'm glad you I'm glad you you shared that. Other people should hear that. It's really really important. In an early stage company, everybody's selling. Yeah. Right. So you have to have empathy with your end customer. So the customer needs, or the client, or the member having empathy with the problem they're facing. You know that is like help you actually sell and build a product. And then of course, partners, customers, employees, everybody, particularly the early stage, before we have a brand. Um, it is that it is kind of a version of a cold email, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You're always selling.
0: And so, was there a moment? You talked a little bit about the 200 to 50. Was there like a breakthrough moment where you said, "We have lightning in the bottle. Like this is this is this is it."
1: Yes. Um, so for us, and I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but it was um, you know realizing we're building a much better consumer business. Uh, we started to get a lot of organic interest um you know from the, the consumer owner realized that we couldn't support their employer because we didn't have a relationship with their employer. So we had this um organic inbound interest that was happening on this idea of a solution that we we're going after. Um, and what happened was um you know just to, trying to focus on, on on that organic business. And I think this hones into something founders should pay um, obvious attention to, and that's just become obsessed with the the problem, not the solution, right? Because uh, the solution can be many things. And for us, um, it told us, you know, solution should probably be consumer facing. If that's where you're getting the organic inbound interest in um, from some of the things that we were doing, um, why not focus in that direction? So that was like a, a big pivotal moment for us. Um, and it should really encourage founders that, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to pivot many, many times. Um, you just have to focus on, on what works.
0: Another excellent insight is just focusing on the problem right, and seeing where the opportunity lies. We started in B2B. You're in the game. You're kind of building a business in one direction. But if you're not paying attention to that signal, it's saying, wow, we didn't think we were going to be a consumer business. And here it is. The consumer is just telling you and having that peripheral vision to see it. Right, and then having the courage, frankly, to actually go focus on it. Was that a hard decision, or did it just pull you there?
1: I wouldn't say it was a, a hard decision um, when you're, um, you know, not not funded at the time. You're you're proving things out. Uh, you have to do whatever it takes. Um, so you have to make decisions that are, are going to be best for the the future of the business.
0: So would you so would you say that uh, the capital constraint led to more innovation?
1: thousand percent I, I try to and you know too often you see many early stage founders go for obscene evaluations if not uh fundraises and I think um here's where the opportunity lies in you know the and some of the things that you know one America works is is doing is really on um realizing you can build a business on less and by having less to, to begin with it forces you to Uh, think more creatively, um, more efficiently um, uh, about the decisions you approach to to building a business. So I I think too often, you know, many companies raise a significant amount of money and only to be under the pressure of um, utilizing that capital to grow the business when, you know, you probably don't need all that capital to get started to begin with. So I think it it definitely uh, contributed to some of the things that we've been able to accomplish.
0: Yeah. Again, a lot of people see, you know, location and, um, uh, lack of access to capital as real negatives or deficiencies, and you've been able to turn those into assets for building your business. It's really impressive. So I would say that there are, if I had my list, there's a bunch of things that I would think of for this, but um, just a fun question. So like yeah. all these things, like what is your superpower? What is it? Because I'm thinking of a lot of them. You've articulated a bunch of them, but what would you say is your superpower? focus
1: um in building relationships uh you're you're always in have friction and you know you go about building your business and and you know seeing that that growth and everything but you have to be able to just um take all i think into consideration and just make decision uh, quickly and i think uh one of our uh, superpowers as a business on the result of having focus is we haven't tried to do too many things at once. Um, we've tried to be, you know, good at, at one thing. And then, um, well, yes, that one thing has its own set of improvements that can be made. Um, it's, you know, having focus on on time uh, on on that one product and then going on to the next one and uh, doing so in a way where um, you're not you know, trying
0: to scramble and do too many things at once. So I think it's focus and, and building relationships. It sounds like the one-two punch for success, for sure. So... You're in the consumer business. We're heading into a lot of people think that next year is going to be a a rough year. Even if we don't have like a full recession, it's going to be a difficult year. Now um, on this, on the, on the side of the financial services industry that you're working in, there's probably going to be a lot more people that are going to be in need of financial help and support. I assume that's something you're planning for. When you're looking forward, like what are some of the ways that you're thinking about the economy? What's what? How are you predicting where where things are going that that might affect your business and other people who are thinking about starting a business in financial services?
1: I, I think there's pros and cons uh, to the uh, the macro and micro effects of the economy in the context of you know, consumer financial services businesses. So one um i guess you can call it a a pro is i mean the unfortunate truth is that it's becoming even more expensive to live you know because of inflation um and as a result you know people need to find or have the need to find liquidity solutions to cover everyday needs and that's where we uh, truly serve a purpose um in the um you know market that that exists it's uh, we are a solution where people can get that immediate liquidity without having to get hit with an overdraft fee or um, take out a loan when they don't need to. So that's where we serve, um, you know, the, the, that purpose. Uh, in terms of some of the the things that we have to be mindful of, and you can call them cons if you will, is um, the economy places a a strain on you know ability to repay uh, for for customers, and that's that's one thing that we have to. Uh, stress tests, you know, our, our platform for, but I, I think at the same time, you know, what it gives us a lot of opportunity for the credit you know, products that we're, we're pursuing for us. It's, it's not an unsecured uh, credit product, it, it's, it's secured uh, product. So um, we remain very optimistic and excited um, despite some of the, the macro economy effects uh, next year.
0: Yeah, that, I think your products can be more important than ever going forward, for sure. And so, think about the the the, the kind of financial services industry. Now, it, it's definitely a lot of legacy products, legacy institutions, a lot of legacy regulations. Can you do you have a perspective on like where that's going and how uh, your business will kind of either shape some of those rules and some of those consumer behaviors, or will have to be shaped by them?
1: Yes. So I, I think one thing that you know businesses like like ours or, or similar have done is really um force regulators to think about um jump fees like you know uh, overdraft fees et cetera so um I would think that, you know, we're part of the reason why a lot of banks are being forced to to get rid of overdraft fees. And I think on the the contrary, though, it's easy for a small uh, bank to get rid of overdraft fees when it's a small line line item of their revenue, as opposed to, you know, a Chase or Wells or a B of A when overdraft fees are a billion dollar, you know, $2 billion uh, revenue line item for for them. Um, I think the the confines of the regulatory um infrastructure that exists it, you know should exist because uh, at the end of the day you're you have to protect consumers relationship with money um beyond that I'm I'm no expert in it I just know that we have to operate uh within the
0: confines that that regulators have set out for us so so one of the big criticisms that that founders, kind of in the heartland or interior or not on the coast gets is that they don't think big enough. Yeah. Right? you heard that. It's always like, well, oh, you're not thinking big enough. You're not thinking big oh, enough. Gosh, yeah. And um, I know that's not true with you. Would you mind like, what can you lay out your big vision? Like where, where do you, where do you want to take this business? Like where's the five year, 10 year plan for float me?
1: Uh, to me, it's kind of like becoming um you know the the Costco for finance and really the the guiding pillars for us are um building that, that name for money and, and what that means uh Patrick is introducing the right products um at the right time for the, the right members uh, when when they're ready mm-hmm. and for me for us it, it's the graduation approach so um you know if we've helped somebody um prevent from getting that overdraft fee or um get money to go to work can we then in turn um, you know, help them build better habits? Can we help them become more aware of their, their finances so these events don't even happen in the first place? Um, you know, credit is a huge part of uh, how, the, how America works today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our members cite you know, having challenges with building credit. Can we address that pain point? And once a consumer or one of our members has been in a state where they've been able to build credit, can we help them save on other things, whether it's you know consolidating uh, some of their loans with a, a better credit score, um, getting a better um, auto uh, you know policy uh, or auto uh, loan, I'm sorry, on on their their, their record. So like it, it's really about introducing the right products at the right time. And I think what Noom has done really well is um, exactly that. It, it's curate you know through uh, behaviors that are being realized. And, and at the end of the day, yes, behaviors are the hardest thing to change. But I, I think that's how you achieve success. And for us, it, it's building a platform that does that in the future.
0: What I hear you saying, the same thing you said before is focus on the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the consumer and be focused. And that's going to build a, a transformative consumer business that's going to solve problems across the entire spectrum. That, that did feel like what you were saying. And that, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love that vision. So as we're wrapping up, this has been this really terrific conversation. Um, you know, let's kind of just go to the side a little bit away from float specifically. And can you leave us with like, is there some trend or technology that you're tracking that you're keeping an eye on that you're excited about? For me, the
1: outfit in the room is a GP3, um, yeah. being able to rapidly, um, you know, see results, uh, from something without much manpower is really exciting to me. I I personally mute anything related to Web3 or Web 2.5. It just doesn't make sense to me. But GP3 is something that really excites me.
0: Thank you, Josh, for your time. I'm sure I learned a lot. I appreciated the conversation and I'm sure our viewers and audience are going to love hearing from you as well. Thanks and uh, good luck with the next phase.